Welcome to Hope for Life, a broadcast ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington, bringing you hope for life through the teaching of God's Word. Today, Pastor Lunsford is continuing his sermon series in the book of Hebrews. If you would like to follow along, you can open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. as I read Hebrews 11, verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourging, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God calls us to move mountains. He gives us a whole list of examples here. And the first one that I want to focus on is Jericho. We can't possibly talk about all of the episodes in this whole passage. You can go back and study your Old Testament and see all the great truths that are here. But I want to start by thinking about Jericho. God called the children of Israel to come into the land and to conquer the land. Now remember, these folks were not warriors. They didn't have skilled armies or standing armies and that sort of thing. God said, there's Jericho. That's the first place you're going to go. And, of course, there was a miracle before that. And, you know, way back, 40 years before that, they passed through the Red Sea. And then they wandered in the wilderness because of unbelief later. And now there's a miracle just going across the Jordan. And they come to Jericho. And, and what, have, what have the spies said about the land earlier? They said the people are bigger and taller than we, and the cities are large and fortified to heaven. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, can you just hear these guys telling about, they're, they're just huge, they're fortified all the way to heaven. That was Jericho. Jericho had big walls. It was a big city. And God said, I want you to conquer Jericho. God called them to that. 
I suppose you could look at it and say, what would have been the easy way for them? God could have just let them live in the desert. But God said, no, there's a place I want you to conquer that. God called his people in the Old Testament. If we were to just to skim through these examples here, we see Jericho, we see Gideon, Barak, and Samson. God called Samson to, to do some things. God called David. All of these people called to conquer mountains. None of these people had an easy go. It was difficult. It was hard. What does God call us to do? What are the mountains he calls us to move? There are some mountains that are clearly listed in the scripture. One of those is the habits that result from our old sinful nature. God calls us to deal with patterns of selfishness in regard to our possessions. In Matthew 5.31, Christ said, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? We all focus on that stuff. What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? And God says, You need to let go of that pattern of selfish thinking about your possessions and say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. That's going to be my priority. A third mountain that God calls us to conquer is this, the spreading of the gospel. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to the disciples, you will be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then there are Trying circumstances. James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into various trials. That one verse alone is a mountain, is it not? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. God calls us to move mountains. How does God move them? Well, this passage here tells us that God moves mountains when we obey by faith. Now, this passage emphasizes the faith, but as we know the stories that go along with these little episodes, we understand that obedience was the key. Obedience to God's instruction. And I've tried to break this down in the notes that you have in terms of different kinds of instructions. And the first kind is this, instructions that don't make sense. When God said to Joshua, here's how I want you to conquer Jericho. I want you all to line up and walk around the city once every day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to go around seven times. I want the priests to be up at the head of the line with the Ark of the Covenant. I want the priests to have a horn. And when, once you complete that seventh round, I want them to blow and I want you to shout and the walls are going to fall down. Hey, that doesn't make sense. Now, it should, make more sen- it should have made more sense to Joshua as Joshua looked back and, he, and just a little while before that, they'd walked across the Jordan River. God parted the waters there. As soon as the priest's feet touched into the water it stopped and they walked across and of course Joshua was there during all of that wilderness wandering and he was there during the crossing of the Red Sea he was there during the plagues with Moses so that's why Joshua said hey okay God if you said the walls are going to fall down by us walking around we're walking there's no fussing around about the instructions on this one 
But the instructions didn't make sense humanly. Spiritually they made sense, but not humanly. Do you know there are a lot of things that God tells us that don't make sense humanly? I can remember being at a PTA meeting one time when my kids were in grade school. Probably one of the few PTA meetings I was at. And uh, there's some discussion came up about sex education and whatnot. And I tried to speak what I thought was some good sense. And we had to leave early. And another couple had to leave early. And this other husband was steaming. He was steaming because I had the audacity to talk about the idea that people ought to be able to control themselves. He basically enunciated the idea that, you know, we're, we're just what we are and we just do what we do. You know, humanly, the idea of sexual abstinence makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense to deny yourself the pleasure. And it makes no sense to say, oh, it's possible to control yourself all the way until you get married. It makes no sense. It makes no sense when God says, listen, you tell the truth and you do it in love. Because it's so much easier if I just fudge the truth a little bit now and then. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody, so I'm going to kind of lie a little bit. Especially I don't want to hurt myself. That's human wisdom. God says, no, you speak the truth. God does not call us to understand his instructions. He calls us to obey his instructions. What if Joshua had said, now God, this whole Jericho thing's kind of messed up. You don't understand our situation. I don't know how many times I've sat across the desk from folks and had them say, you don't understand how hard my situation is. Hey, I don't. I'll readily tell you that right now. I don't. But I think God does. Sometimes God's instructions don't make sense. Do you want to live by faith? Say, I will obey whether it makes sense or not. I will follow God's will. Number two, God gives us instructions that involve danger. We look here, and, and they are not mentioned by name, but their feet is mentioned, their uh, F-E-A-T feet, Verse 34, they quenched the violence of fire. Who do you suppose that's talking about? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's right, those, those three fine young Jewish men in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's court. This is what they said. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. You know, I, I can't imagine what the furnace heated seven times hotter is like. I mean, it was so hot, you know, it says it consumed the, the soldiers who threw them in. But when I open my wood stove, sometimes I get a little hint. I'm down there trying to put the wood, I'm trying to get the wood in in a hurry before the smoke comes out in my house. And I, whoa, baby, that's hot. And I kind of toss it in there and close it. These guys said, let's go. Toss us in. That didn't make any sense. But God told them very clearly, don't you bow down and worship an idol. And they said, okay, we're not going to bow down and worship an idol. We're going to worship the true God. And if that makes us get tossed in the fire, so be it. They said, they said to the king, our God is able to deliver us. But if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not 
going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They were fully aware that God might not deliver them physically from that hard situation. God's instructions sometimes cause us to put our life in danger. Now, in our country, we haven't come to that very much. There are other places in the world where that is true. And uh, certainly in those countries that call themselves a Muslim by not only uh, culture but by religion, uh, if you openly trust in Christ, you're headed for jail. I have a friend that I grew up with in Marysville who became a missionary, quote-unquote, to a country that does not allow missionaries, and I won't tell you the name of it because I don't want you to repeat it to anybody. There is a country where freedom of religion is technically legal but not practically practiced. And so he was there um, as whatever his said on his visa, trying to encourage Christians and trying to witness to people, and him and his wife and daughters and son spent a night in jail, a couple nights in jail. There are times when God's instructions might make you fearful for your life. God says, if you're going to live by faith, obey me. Don't seek the safe route. I mean, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they came out, the scripture says, it didn't, they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, I smell like smoke just opening, the, just opening the wood stove. And these guys, can you imagine when they came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psh, yeah me there. And God was in there with us. Wow. But they had to risk their life to get there. Thirdly, there are instructions that require standing alone. Look here about Rahab. By faith, the harlot Rahab. Every time she's mentioned, she's called the harlot Rahab. If you don't know what the word harlot means, put the word prostitute in there. God somehow captured her heart and mind, she had heard, as had all of Jericho. She was a resident of Jericho. And they had all heard about the things God was doing in his people and for his people and some of these miracles that were happening. And when the spies came, they came to lodge at her house. I, I guess they figured that aliens would be safe there. And she said, listen, I have heard what God has been doing, and I am telling you, I will protect you if you will protect me. She had come to faith in God from hearing these things. Now think about this. The whole city of Jericho, she said, knew of these events. That means the whole city of Jericho could have put their faith in God. Nineveh, you know. I mean, old Jonah went to Nineveh. They didn't know anything about God until he came and said, God's going to judge you. You better repent. So they all did. Hey, that's possible. One lady out of a whole city said, listen, you guys are on the right side. She said, I know that your God is the God. But she had to risk her neck. She had to stand alone. Gained. The fourth category of instruction that I've come up with is this. Instructions that cause you to be hated. Elijah prayed by God's direction and God withheld the rain from the nation of Israel. 
And toward the end of that time, when we, we're getting to that Mount Carmel experience and, and God's going to lift this after uh, some other miracles happen, Elijah has an interaction with the king and the king says to him, are you he that is troubling Israel? In other words, the king said, it's your fault. We've got this drought. And Elijah said, no, it isn't me, buddy. It's you. <laughs> And, and, and then he goes up to Mount Carmel and has that great episode that we know about with the prophets of Baal and says, call to your God and get him to bring down the fire on the sacrifice. And he taunts them. And, and after a while, he prays and God just licks it all up. And, and he kills all the prophets of Baal. There's a great victory. And he goes back. And what does Jezebel say? Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And you know what? Elijah failed that test of faith. He just had this huge victory. And, and, and now this one woman says, Buddy, I'm going to make you just like them. I'm going to kill you dead. And he runs for his life. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really can't understand. On one hand, I understand. On the other hand, I don't. I think, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm not any better than him. I'd have probably done the same thing. But I, I also think, man, look what God just did. Why don't you just stand there and say, hey, God, there's one more left. I, I get the feeling he could have done that and God would have took care of it. But he doesn't. There are things that will cause us to be hated. The Apostle Paul said this about himself. He said he was treated like the filth of the world the off-scouring of all things, 1 Corinthians 4.13. The off-scouring, that's kind of a funny word. My spell checker underlined that. <laughs> I had to hyphenate it there. You know, when you clean something and the stuff that comes off, you don't want it, the off-scouring. Paul said, that's how people look at me. The ruler Festus said that Paul was out of his mind the Jews said Paul was not fit to live. God tells us things that we are to believe and things that we are to practice that are going to cause some people to hate us. When you stand up and say all life is precious and we should not kill any, whether before birth or after, there are some people that are going to just hate you for that. God says, you want to live by faith? You want to move the mountains in your life? Then here's the path. It's the path of obedience. Do you know why you should be reading the Bible every day? It's so that every day you can learn a little bit more of the path God wants you to walk on. And as you, by faith, choose that path, God will move the mountains in your life. What does it look like when God moves mountains? Look at this list again. We start here in... Verse 33, here's the list of things that happened. There are some people named, and then the list of accomplishments. First of all, who through faith subdued kingdoms? Now, when the Bible uses the word kingdom, it's probably, we think of a king like being over a whole big country. In that day, a king would be over a city like Jericho. And so Jericho is an example of that. By faith, they conquered the city of Jericho. They subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. Samuel, 
was a great leader that's mentioned here who had to stand up in the face of some great ungodliness and he created or he 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 was the uh, the agent of God to to cause righteousness in Israel it says they obtained promises king david was anointed king over israel but he had to struggle with tw for 20 years with the mountain of saul's hatred but through faith and through obedient living to god he received that kingdom Rahab received a promise of protection. And if you look in the Gospel of Matthew, you find that she is listed in the ancestry of Jesus Christ himself. They stopped the mouths of lions. Of course, we, we think of Daniel. Uh, you know, in the lion's den. Same thing as his friends in the fiery furnace. Wow. We think of Samson stopping the mouth of lions. Uh, we think of David's man, Beniah, a, a, a brave man of David who, who did the same. Quench the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Escape the edge of the sword. David, running around the desert for 20 years, never, Saul was never able to, to kill him. Elijah, escaping from Jezebel. Out of weakness were made strong. We think of Samson. Samson was a poor example of a follower of God. But God had chosen him to do some things, and he did some things, and then eventually he gave away. He, he told his, his girlfriend, who wasn't a godly girl, she, he said, the secret of my strength is in my hair. And of course, the real secret of his strength was in his dedication to God. But the hair was a symbol of the dedication to God. And she cut off his hair, and they came and took him in. And he got chained up between two great pillars of this great temple of worship to Dagon, the Philistine god, and came to a point where he said, God, just let me do one more thing. And God said, okay, and he pulled down the house. Wow. Out of weakness were made strong. Abraham and Sarah, well past the years of giving birth. But they gave birth. Out of weakness were made strong. They became valiant in battle. No doubt a reference to Gideon. Gideon the chicken becomes Gideon with 300 guys going to fight 135,000. And of course, the victory was in the Lord because Gideon would follow God's instruction. God gave him a victory. Turn to flight the, the armies of aliens. We think of Barak and Gideon there. Women receive back their dead, a reference to Elijah and the child of the widow at Zarephath and Elisha and the child of the Shunammite woman. Uh, tremendous things there, tremendous faith exhibited by those women. And then we read about people who spiritually survived persecution and deprivation. We need to read this last half of the chapter because God doesn't promise us all victory in the human sense of victory. In other words, this first half of, the, of this passage, hey, that looks like success any way you count it. But then when you go to verse 35, others were tortured. Well, that, that's not looking like victory in Jesus. They were tortured. They, why were they tortured? Because, because they would not accept human physical deliverance from torture so that they might obtain a better resurrection. In other words, they said, look, if you quit holding to this position and saying these words and doing these things, if you will leave God, we'll let you go free. And they said, no, no, kill me because I'm headed for heaven. 
Verse 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, or, you know, the word to be beat or whipped. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. And, and by the way, for those of you that study in real detail, the only reference that's listed here that doesn't specifically correlate to the Old Testament is that one right there, sawn in two. We find no example of that in the Old Testament. We find some examples of that in some other historical data relative to the Jewish people, but not the Old Testament. But apparently, by God's inspiration, it's listed here that this was an experience of those who believed and were not willing to compromise their faith. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Elisha wore a coat of skin. And people did not do that in that day because it was trendy. You know, fur is back in style again. People didn't wear it because it was stylish back then. It was because that was all they had. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. God gave power through faith to see some of his people through these problems, not to escape them. Just as it seems, just as it is sometimes God's will for his people to conquer in a struggle, it is also sometimes his will for his people to continue in their suffering. It often takes more courage to hold on than to fight on. Uh, it would appear humanly that Peter Mesekep is not going to be delivered from his physical infirmity. And yet other people are. It's not up to us to try to figure out why one happens one way and one happens the other. God says, listen, I'm going to call you to move some mountains. And they're going to be a little different for each one of you. He says, but the same thing will hold for everybody. Here's the path of obedience. You walk on it by faith, whether you understand or not. And I'm going to take care of the mountains. God doesn't always do things in a way that makes sense. Frankly, if you can explain things in human terms, God might not be involved at all. When, <clears throat> when our kids were young, Sue's folks took them to the circus, and there was an opportunity to ride an elephant. And one of our kids says, no, that makes me nervous. Friends, the faith life might make you nervous. And it should. Because it requires God to show up. In the prayer of Jabez, to paraphrase, he says something like this, we should attempt things for God that require him to show up. Otherwise, we're just taking the path of safety and ease. Opening yourself, up to complete, opening yourself up completely to God is likely to be a scary prospect. Some of you are sitting there thinking, man, I don't want to move any mountains. I just want to keep plugging along. The problem is God's calling you to move the mountains whether you like it or not. 
The difference between God and the elephant is this. God will never drop you. No way, no how. Friends, don't run from the faith life. Run to it and watch what God will do. Heavenly Father, you have called us to move mountains. And some of those, some of the toughest, tallest mountains are just are in our own heart. Our own selfishness, our own sin. And then at times you bring us some mountains that are outside of us. Situations in life, situations in family, situations at work. Oh, Father. Someday, may you write of our lives as you wrote of Gideon and Joshua and all of these people who saw the mountains move as they obediently trusted in you. I pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to Hope for Life, the broadcast teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Ferndale, Washington. You can learn more about our ministry on the internet at www.ferndalebaptist.com or you can contact us by mail at First Baptist Church, P.O. Box 69, Ferndale, Washington, 98248. Telephone 360-384-3111. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Our prayer is that God's Word will give you hope for life.